The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing city. Yeah, what's up, everybody? It's Dave on the Boston Podcast, brought to you by the Boston Podcast Network, which can be found at pod 617 dot com in pod we trust i've had some coffee folks so i might be talking a little quickly i have an awesome guest i have an awesome guest do you have problems this guy is a problem solver he's a fixer he's kind of like the wolf in pulp fiction you know except he looks nothing like harvey Keitel. um and his name's ben stitch and welcome to the show uh ben stitch (laughs) thanks dave i appreciate it now, by the way, Ben Stitch, his name is spelled S-T-I-C-H. There is not a second mysterious T. That's a whole nother story. Ben, I guess we don't have to get into that, but it must you must have one of the most misspelled names ever, right? Because people assume it's like a stitch in time. It's been a lifelong challenge. It's been. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, same with me. And you'd think having a name like Yaz, which is spelled Y-A-S, it's only three letters. You'd think it wouldn't be misspelled. It's misspelled all the mm. time. Yeah. Usually it's Y-A-Z, which I can, I can handle because that's got a ring to it. Yaz, which is the way we pronounce it. Anyway, but do you know that when I order a pizza and I'll call up and say, they'll say, what's the name? And I'll say, Yaz, it's Y-A-S. And I'll go get the pizza, and they'll say, we don't have anything under yes. And I'll say, look under was, W-A-S. <laughs> it's always under was. Mm. And the best we can figure is that people hear me say Y-A-S, and they think of the word Y, which is the, like the word Y, W-H-Y. And, but there's something broken in people's brain that doesn't allow them to spell my name right. What can I tell you? Anyway, so I said Ben was a problem solver. Let me tell you what that means. He's a, he's a mediator, focuses on family cases. You stop me when I'm incredibly incorrect here, Ben. You got it. But for those who don't know what uh, a mediator does, he brings people together, usually when there's some kind of crisis or dispute. And in this case, if things are messed up in your family... And if they're not messed up in your family, you're lying to us. We all know people have strife. Everybody has something in their family, whether it's some weird uncle or some other thing going on. But typically a couple is getting divorced. Sometimes there are children involved, of course, gets very complicated. And so Ben is now you're not an attorney, or are you? I am not. You're not an attorney. Okay. So you don't, you certainly don't have to be an attorney to be a mediator. In fact, some of the best ones are non-lawyers. And it's a process, and he tries to bring you together. So tell me how much of a, I got that right, Ben, and how much I need to be corrected upon. I don't think I need to be here. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Ben Stitch, everybody. So thanks, thanks for uh, thanks for being on the Boston Podcast. You can find all past episodes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. So tell. So I like, wasn't sure where you're going with that. I was showing you the door <laughs> in a joking fashion. So gotcha. now, t- tell me, tell me more. Give us the typical way that you work with people. Great. Well, I really appreciate being here. Um, I love how you framed it. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone oh, kind of has their shtick, and you just did it so informally. Oh <laughs> like, yeah. You got some problems. You come together and you try to work it out. There you go. Um, Put that I, on your business card. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Once I run out of the thousand, I have. Yeah, I know. 
So, uh, yeah, tell me how you typically work with uh, someone who comes to you. So, you know, mediation can help a whole host of family conflicts. Uh, the one that people think about the most is divorce. It's mm-hmm. kind of the bread and butter. So from a divorce perspective, it's an opportunity to help a third party uh, in an impartial way, provide a confidential setting where the two people who are getting divorced can negotiate. Mm-hmm. So they try to figure out their parenting plan of their parents. They figure out the, how they're going to settle the division of their marital property. Uh, and the mediator functions as a facilitator, uh, has a bag of tricks to try to help resolve conflict when things get challenging, um, but really try to help them come to some decisions that are really informed uh, so that when they look back five years later, they can feel good about their divorce agreement, feel like they made decisions to help them accomplish their goals, and if they had kids, serve their kids' best interests. So the bag of tricks includes um, a bowl whip, a uh, jar of sedatives, and a bottle of vodka, right? And candy. Yeah, and candy. And candy. But seriously, folks, so when people come to you, um, in many cases, it sounds like divorce is a foregone conclusion, like we're getting divorced, but there's so much that they don't know Mm -hmm. about the process, right? Yes. And so you help them get to, uh, you really help them get to a deal, right? Because are are they always fighting over something or are they, sometimes it's just like, we don't know what to do? All the above. It really runs the okay. gamut. Yep. So you know, there's a misconception, I think, that mediation is only for the most cooperative and amicable of folks. Right. Um, and certainly it's a great model f- for people who can communicate well and there's not a lot of tension and they both just want to do the right thing by each other. Uh, but mediation is a conflict resolution model. Uh, and as long as both parties are willing to come to the table and the spouses want to work it out in a more... Um, a cooperative way. And by cooperative, I don't mean they're happy or necessarily feel good about it, but they're going to be in the driver's seat and they're yeah. going to make the decisions and they're not going to have other people speak for them and make decisions on their behalf. Um, but they're going to get good information, which is one role of the mediator, uh, and uh, to make sure that folks are making good informed decisions. Um, but they get to make the decisions. Um, and so they are negotiating all parts of their agreement in divorce. Some people come in and they kind of know what they want to accomplish and we just fine-tune it, yeah. uh, make sure it satisfies the court's requirements and meets the legal standards. A lot of other times people come in, they have no clue. Uh, lots of misconceptions and myths about divorce. Um, so provide a lot of information and really try to help explore what's important to folks, their goals, their hopes, their fears. Um, not from a therapy perspective, um, but more you know, to try to help people identify what we call interests. Right. A lot of people come into the negotiation with a position. Like, I want the house. Right. I want the kids all the time. Um, I'm not giving up my pension. Yeah. Um, and then we step back and we think, well, well let's, let's, let's talk about what, what's driving that. I know you're not a therapist, but you do have excellent bedside manner. I would say uh-huh. that about you. Ben is a, a calming influence in my life and many people's <laughs> lives. No, when you meet him, you do. You have a nice, you have a very nice approach, a nice way about you. I appreciate I suppose it. when people, I mean, when people come to you, the, the interesting nuance there is they have to agree to come to you in the in the first place. So it, it, at least you've got a little bit of a head start. They're willing to 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 talk. I'm reminded of the scene in the uh, classic television show The Simpsons where there's a teacher dispute and the they're fighting over some such detail and the principal says, "Well, I guess we'll agree to disagree." And the teacher says, "I won't agree to that." So <laughs> you, you have to agree to at least be at the table and so. How long does this process take? People sit down with you. Can does it does we talk in weeks, months, or? Oh, it's it a good question. Yeah. So again, we're only talking about divorce so far, but in right. divorce, 
let's say there's uh, you know a couple that has some property, they have some kids, um, low to moderate conflict, but they, you know they're willing to do some homework in between sessions and they can kind of figure things out. Typically, it takes four to six, five to seven, two hour meetings, mm. um, and the frequency of the sessions are really up to them. Some people like to bang it out, and we schedule five meetings in a row week after week, and, and they're done. I have other folks that spread it out over two to three years because their travel schedules or they're just not in a rush mm-hmm. or they try to reconcile partway through and then go back to therapy, and it doesn't work, and they come back to me. So really, it, the, the parties get to drive it, which is very different than a contested divorce when one, part, one spouse files and all of a sudden the court's dictating the timeline. Right. Um, in mediation the spouses get to dictate the process. Which is a huge advantage and, and I would think makes life much easier. Yeah. yeah, You have a ton of control. Right. Uh, so you get to make the decisions, you get to establish the timeline, you get to consult with who you want to consult with. Do uh, people bring in lawyers? Do people hire lawyers and still work with you or sometimes they do? It's a great question. Yeah. I actually recommend it. You do? Um, okay. What's key though is getting the right attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are some attorneys who are very friendly to mediation or are trained mediators themselves, and they basically just function as a coach or a consultant in the background so that people are able to really be fully informed about their rights, Mm -hmm. um, or at least review the agreement before they sign it. Um, But some people don't opt for the attorney. Uh, Mm -hmm. I just think um, having a mediation-friendly attorney is the best way to ensure informed consent um, and that people are making good decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, Because as a mediator, even if I was an attorney, I would not be providing legal counsel. Right. Um, because once one of the spouses feels that there's a bias or some, you know. Yeah, you you've know, got, and I'm, you got two parties at the table, yeah. so you can't. But do you have to sometimes um, kind of look one spouse in the eye and say, hey, you're going to have to like come off of that, that position a little bit because you're, you're full of crap on that one? I, in l- a less direct way. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you wouldn't use the word crap. It's yeah, not very professional. No, um, no I would a- more ask questions um, to actually help them think through the implications of their decisions. Maybe talk about the standards the court would use. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if there are concerns that uh, there are agreements that a the court might not even approve. Um, we talk about that. I had a client uh, about a week ago uh, where they were trying to. Uh, they wanted to come up with some really outside the box child support arrangement. And I must have told them six, seven times that I, I, I just want to be upfront that I don't know if this will get approved in court. Right. I never want to be in a position where they go to court, doesn't get approved, and they think, oh, Ben screwed up. Right, <laughs> right. right. Um, so I got a call one more, that, a morning last week. I know you told us that they probably wouldn't approve yeah. this. We're in court. We're in the hallway. Yep. And, and the first thing I said was, well, I'm really glad that you remember I said that. <laughs> what was the guy offering to pay his child support in like, you know, um, grocery items or fruit or crackers or some crazy thing or goats or Ben's not nodding. So yeah, I'm, no, not, I'm not no. even close. No, you know, it's probably boring. <laughs> um, it had to really Just do an with, unusual structure. Yeah. Okay. And they were basically trying to create their own definition of emancipation of children and when child support can start and end. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. ambitious, creative, yeah. and unsuccessful. Yes. So you, but they you, got divorced they later did. that day, because you can literally cross out parts of your agreement, both initial it, and as long as the judge approves it. I love uh, how you say they they got divorced with such glee. You know, it's like they got divorced. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they were really excited. They were excited to get divorced. <laughs> yes. I mean, when people come to you, that's what they want, and they want to they want it as painless as possible. 
when um, although I'll say some people want to get divorced. I made a mistake once early, early on in my career where I finished a case, and I congratulated both of them. Right. And then I always follow up with an email asking for feedback about the process because I'm always trying to improve what I am providing. And the husband wrote me a very frank email about how insulted he was that I congratulated him because he never wanted the divorce. Yeah. And it was, um, and he understood, you know, my intentions were right, right, were, right. were positive. Uh, but it helped me recognize that I, I really can't ever make assumptions about how people are feeling about this process. And yeah, really, you know, so instead it's I talk a- about how hard they worked and right. that they're making progress on their goals. Yeah, I mean, I, I think most people would appreciate uh, congratulations, but or maybe that's just not the right word. But it's but it, there are there are as as many have said, there aren't divorces that come out of good marriages. It's just it just doesn't happen. If you got divorced, there's a reason why the marriage wasn't working. Now it might be one sided, as seemed to be in the case in the one you just right. mentioned, that the guy just saw it as a tragedy and a failing and was very sad about it. Everybody's sad about divorce. I mean. Uh, I'm divorced and I don't, it's not like I wear it with a badge of honor, but it, but happiness was on the other side for both parties. And I think that's what, that's what um, most people think of and they should. And it's, it's weird. There's, there's still a stigma around divorce to a degree. I mean, when talking from personal experience, it's not like you're proud to say I'm divorced. The, The word itself and that's why people made fun of Gwyneth Paltrow when she said, instead of getting divorced, we're going to say we're decoupling or whatever the word was that right. she used. But I, I got, and it was kind of dumb, but I, got <laughs> where she, but I got where she was coming from because she, you know, and, and then the whole ex-husband, ex-wife thing. Like, I don't, like, the, you know, my ex-wife is the mom of my children and we parent them together still, I hope, very well. And anytime you got to say the word X, it sounds like it just sounds like you're going to say X con or something like that. It's, it, it carries that. I have a friend who tried to coin the phrase for her ex-husband, um, wasband, instead of ex-husband, mm. wasband. That'll never catch on. It's it's a problem. But um, well, but so, you must deal, you must see a lot of people who maybe are hesitant because of that. It, you know, a lot of sadness and stigma around it. Yeah. So I'd say two things, and, and I want to talk about the the language use, because I think oh, that's, do, that's yeah. really important. But, you know, there's there's gains and losses when it comes to divorce. Um, and I think no matter how you feel about it, mm-hmm. uh, and it's different for every individual, but when people step back, you know, they might talk about, well, I'm losing companionship or I'm losing the house or I'm losing time with the kids, and that's all real. Uh, and there some people, but if you ask them, well, what might you be gaining? It might be, well, I might be gaining some peace of mind right. or I might be gaining some independence or I might be gaining Closer. the opportunity to explore a career that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to, or the hobby that I always wanted to do, or I'm actually gaining more quality time with my kids. So even though it's less time, yeah. um, I now value it more mm. because uh, I'm not sharing it, and the fact that I'm not with them half the week makes me recognize how treasured this time is. Yeah. Um, I, one of the things I do, I do a lot of other things besides divorce mediation. One is I'm an instructor in the state's only uh, court-mandated high-conflict education program. So these are parents that who just are, rolls off the. Top. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell us about um, that. At William James College, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that more, part I can handle. More syllables. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So these are basically parents who uh, the court see as frequent flyers who are re- resorting to court to make and basically arbitrate for parenting decisions. Mm. Um, and the conflict between the parents is so high uh, that they're not able to work things out on their own. Um, 
uh, usually they have files really thick. Yeah, um, right, yeah. And they come to These this. These are people who actually enjoy, in a perverse way, enjoy going to court, right? Uh, yeah, maybe, although it's very expensive. Right. Um, and usually. Or maybe they just can't help themselves kind of thing, yeah. yeah. Well, it's usually the, 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 the conflict with the, the former spouse is so intense that it clouds their ability to, right. to manage their emotions and moderate their behavior and think flexibly in a way that allows them to co-parent. Um, and the very first thing that we say in the class, it's a nine-week, 27-hour intensive, like very, it's not mediation. Uh, yep, <laughs> it's right, very right. intensive, like boot camp, co-parenting mm-hmm. boot camp and understanding the impact of the conflict on the children and learning all these new approaches to trying to um, co-parent. And we say that you are not allowed to call the other person the ex a whole mm. bunch of other words that I say to them, but I probably can't say in this podcast unless you're allowed to swear. You no, we uh, are. Go ahead. Okay. You know, you, you, he's not the he's not the asshole. She's not the bitch. Right. Um, uh, and instead, from now on, you either can only refer to them by their first name, or as your co-parenting partner. Right. So you have to say um, Fred that asshole. You just yeah. <laughs> you can't just say that asshole. So we no, we I actually did. have this acronym <laughs> called CPP. Your co-parenting partner. Co-parenting partner. Um, All right, and that, and Maybe that's to your that. point. It Dave, sure is, yeah. Right? Sure is. Yeah. Um, so for now on, they're they're my CPP, and it just changes the orientation. You're tied for life by your kids. I'm down with CPP. Um, <laughs> Cue the music. Although it's uh, always funny, then someone starts saying, "My so my CCP." <laughs> no CPP. <laughs> CCD. CCD. Yeah. Uh, well, that I I love the aim behind that. It's. Uh, there's never going to be a panacea for curing like the stigma around divorce no. or divorce in and of itself. And they're all, I say that they're, they're all good in a manner of speaking in that it, it ends, it concludes a marriage that needed to be concluded, but they're all sad. They're all, there's not, there were no great ones. You know, there, there were no, wow, what a great divorce. Yay. Right. Um, more people, but you're busy. We talked about this before we started recording, but you're busy. Um, are there stats that maybe I haven't seen recently about whether divorce is on the rise or is it always on the rise or do we know? So, so that's funny. I was just looking at some stats uh, the other day. Now I have to try to remember them. Yeah. Um, uh, so this, Broad strokes. So right now about the divorce rates, I think about 45% for first marriages and then the statistics go up for second and third marriages. Okay. Um, the thing that's changing is that um, the age of marriage is is changing. So there's people are waiting longer people getting to married get later. married. So we're seeing a much a much uh, yes and no. Um, we're seeing so we're, all we're seeing is more later life divorces. Oh, so it does, so it's not helping. Yeah. That's so <laughs> the, no, there's a so because I always <laughs> thought that people who I, I, you know being a man of many years, I just turned fifty last year. Uh, you know, as every year passes, I realize how dumb I was when I was in my twenties. Like it's just, it just is. Like, not that I was a horrible person or anything, but when you're looking back on your years in the twenties, it's like I should not have been making decisions that um, last the 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 entire rest of my life. It just, it's just kind of counterintuitive. Yep. And you would think that people that waited until their thirties and kind of got some more life experience, a little more wisdom, they might choose wiser. But I guess they're not. <laughs> or, well, to be to be fair, we haven't had enough time to test it out. Right, right. Uh, but gray divorce is an expression that's really on the rise. What does that mean? So people with gray hair getting divorced. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, particularly once the kids are out of the out of the house. Yeah. Um, it's it's a huge booming area. The baby boomer generation. Do you have an opinion on whether there actually is a good time to divorce or not to? 
That's an excellent question. And when I, so my opinion on that is that there's no such thing as a good time for yeah. divorce. Uh, and that sometimes for parents, uh, I think they make the mistake of trying to stay married for the kids. Yeah. Um, when there's a lot of conflict and tension that the kids are exposed to. Yep. The research is really clear, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the number one factor that leads to better or worse outcomes for children is the degree of exposure to conflict between their right. parents. Right. So, I, I, you know, I think a lower conflict divorce is so much better for kids yep. than a higher conflict marriage. Yeah. Um, well put. Yeah. yeah. It's it's the fact that matters. It's easy for anyone to go by that personal experience and say, "Well, I I needed to wait until the kids, you know, got got out of uh, school or went on to yeah. college or anything. That was like the best." Um, but you know what what you say rings true. And the fact that matters. It, I think if you were waiting for the perfect moment to get divorced, it's just never going to come. Mm-hmm. And if you know in your heart of hearts that the marriage should end for the better of everyone's future happiness, then. It's time, but but I but uh, I think you're right. Of course, my other theory about this—it's not my theory; it's probably somebody else's theory—but is that the construct of divorce is flawed in that it was constructed in a, at a time, I think, when people's life expectancy was around 40 years old or something like that. So at that time, it, in a matter of speaking, it made sense. You know, you you got married, you reared your kids, and then uh, kind of right around the corner, you're about to die. So, so, but, you know, people do evolve. People may not change their actual stripes, but to evolve, mm-hmm. they realize they want to spend their time doing things differently, maybe that they didn't want to before. And people deserve to be happy. And so for, for you know, society to expect that you get married at 25 or 35 and still stay married until you're 90, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it, it, that's a long road. <laughs> yeah, that's a really interesting theory. You yeah. are a very deep thinker, Dave. Well, yes, I do. With an that. S. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, let's take a quick break here on the Boston Podcast, talking here with Ben Stitch. By the way, how can people get in touch with you, Ben? Uh, thanks for asking. So uh, I have a website, benstitch.com. So B-E-N-S-T-I-C-H.com. But if you spell it wrong and put in that second T, you will be redirected to the right <laughs> website. Um, I own both. You are brilliant. <laughs> that That is just forward thinking. Uh, so benstitch.com. Try not to use that second T. But if you forget, um, Ben's got you covered. Wait, that was it, right? Just benstitch.com. That's it? Benstitch.com. Yeah. And awesome. uh, my email is ben at benstitch.com. And my phone number is on the website. Awesome. When we return, Ben's going to answer some questions for me. He's usually the one asking the questions of his clients in mediation, but coming up an edition of Burning Questions with Ben. Stay tuned on The Boston Podcast. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm here to tell you about an affliction that affects millions of Americans every year. It's growing and there's no end in sight. I'm talking, of course, about podcast envy. Hi, I'm George. I suffered from podcast envy. Sure, I had a podcast, but it wasn't the biggest deal. It was just insignificant compared to other podcasts. I felt so inadequate. Hi, I'm Buck. I felt myself consistently looking at other podcasts. They seem so massive. My friends and I were finally able to conquer podcast envy when I found the Boston Podcast Network. They gave us a new podcast, a mighty powerful one too. They even gave it a name. Shawshanked. We finally had a podcast, one we could hold up high and be proud of. We were now able to whip out our podcast and expose it publicly. Thousands of people received our podcast on the internet on Pod 617. 
Com. Some enjoy our podcast in bits and spurts. Many prefer to swallow it whole. Either way, don't wait any longer. Please act now. End your own podcast envy. Go to pod617.com and take hold of your own podcast. Find our podcast Shawshank. See if you can handle it. Don't be ashamed of your little podcast. Get a big one at pod617.com. And we're back on the Boston Podcast, brought to you by pod617.com. Please check out all the great shows we have at pod617.com. And if you want your own podcast, there are plenty of buttons on there for you to click and get in touch with us. Been talking with Ben Stitch, the master mediator, the problem solver, the man who sits down with couples who are divorcing and makes sure that there are no objects broken in the room throughout the course of the mediation (laughs) session and hopefully gets them to a point where they can get divorced peacefully, relatively speaking. But um, if you don't believe me, go back and listen to the first session of this podcast (laughs) and you'll be convinced. So we're going to play a game called Burning Questions. Ben, you've been uh, very briefly prepped, but uh, you ready for the game? Yes, but by prep means I have no idea what you're about to ask. Yeah, exactly. That's the whole point. All right, let's play Burning Questions. Just one more thing. I have a riddle for you. Answer the question. All right. What we're going to do is give you some questions. According to Kanunu.com, Workplace Insights That Matter, not a sponsor of the show, but Kanunu.com, these are actual interview questions, job interview questions to be specific and classified as weird. Okay, so weird questions that actually happened, and Ben's going to do his best to answer them. And here we go with the first question. This one's particularly weird. All right, you wa- <laughs> you're walking alone in a forest and come to a clearing. In the middle of a clearing is a tree stump with three puzzles on it. Rubik's Cube, Sudoku, I can never pronounce that, Sudoku, and a crossword. You have to solve one of them. Which do you choose and why? Sudoku. Sudoku That's and easy. why. And why? It because I know how to play it. <laughs> <laughs> I I've never been a Sudoku guy, but I like I, Sudoku. I think the the um, the question is not specific enough. It's almost yeah. like you have to do one, or, or else you fall into the pit of despair or something. Uh-huh. And me, I guess I do the crossword because I just don't know Sudoku, and I'd uh-huh. like stress out or figure out how to do it. Rubik's cube, forget it. I'd be there all all freaking day. Well, if if you can bring a friend. I mean, right. the Rubik's Cube thing, everyone cheats nowadays. My son knows how to do the Rubik's Cube in under five minutes because he goes on YouTube and they teach you the algorithm. Yeah. And he, well, like you can see him counting in his head yeah, without yeah. even looking right. at it. And he can do the whole thing. It, I guess it sucks the fun out of it. Like back in the day, I had a Rubik's Cube and I just couldn't solve it. And so I got, there were these little like pamphlets they used to sell that, that would have the solution. And it, so you had to go through this progression of like, Right, left, right, upper, or whatever. Yeah. Like it, it, it hit like all the the codes and uh, talk about sucking the fun out of something. But you know what? I couldn't do it. I can't. I could. I could be you know alone for a hundred years. I'll never be able to do the Rubik's cube. Okay. Next question. If you could live on any planet besides Earth, which one would it be? That is officially a weird question. Yeah. No, no doubt. Um. What planet would be would it be? That is. Can it be a? a does that have to be a real planet? No. All right, how about Vulcan? <laughs> <laughs> and you people hear, are really smart there. You hear good things kind. about that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big yeah. Spock fan. Um, as long as I don't have to live on Uranus. Yeah. yeah uh, That's too. That insert too joke much here. Of a Wait a minute. Hold on. Uranus. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's move on. Let's move on. Um, 
Describe your person. <laughs> this is so stupid. I'm gonna read it anyway. Describe your personality as a flavor of ice cream. Oh boy. Um, that is. All right, I'll go. I'll go with yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go with you, you talked about my calm personality. So how yes. about how about mint chocolate chip because it just kind of cools things off. <laughs> you started off so terrible. strong. <laughs> well, you could have said mint chocolate chip because you freshens the room. Well, no, <laughs> no. I was gonna say you got uh, ingredients that potentially compete with each each other, but what you put them together in a way that makes it a good result. How's that? That's perfect. What what ice cream would you be? Um, I would be. Let's see. You know, it's funny. When I was in junior high, my friend Bobby Leary used to call me vanilla and piss me off. And the reason why he said it is because, like, I didn't have any freckles or anything on my face, so I was just, like, vanilla. Mm -hmm. But that's got to be the worst, like, in, in general, the whole thing behind vanilla. I'm stalling, I guess. Um, I think I would be... I'll do something like a uh, chocolate chip cookie dough because um, there's more to me than necessarily meets the eye. So you could be like on the surface and not see a big chunk of cookie dough. And so there's a lot of cookie dough embedded inside of me. Mm. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Um, okay. That's a terrible it's question. I, I know, I know. It's, it, well, when you asked me, when you flipped it on me, I realized how hard it was. Um, how would you rate your baking skills? <laughs> Apropos of nothing. No, not well, bad. My not mom bad? is an amazing baker. Yeah, okay. so I have you've her, learned? Well, I yeah. have her best recipes. Okay. Because to be a baker, you have to go to follow directions yeah. really well. Yeah. Right? And I'm decent at that. See, baking is is hard i think because yeah you got to be more a little bit more precise on the on the ingredients like as opposed to if you're cooking up like a stir fry or something where yeah. you can be like ah, a little more salt keep throwing stuff in and whatever um so what's your best dish what's your go-to dish well the my the one that i my favorite is actually the easiest thing in the world that anyone can do which yeah. is a toll house pie it's amazing mm. oh it's so good just buy a, a graham cracker crust and yeah. Like a half cup of brown sugar, half cup of regular sugar, half cup of flour. Put in some does, um, chips, mix them together. And does your mom it. have any sort of secret recipes that she cherishes? That she cherishes or that I cherish? Well, that you che you're, the, you're the one eating, I guess. So <laughs> yeah, you so yeah. I cherish her um, her apple crisp. Oh. Uh, I cherish her chocolate meringue cookies. Oh. And, but her all-time favorite is her um, chocolate roll cake. So it's like a roll cake with a spongy cake with a cream in the middle. All right, I'm going to When I was a kid, my yeah. brother and I, she used to bake it for cake. Like she used to cater and, and people would work with her privately. Right. And she always had to cut off the ends. Yeah. Because it, to make it look nice. Right. That was the best days of the <laughs> Year. Like, because my brother and I would each get an end. It was the greatest. Oh, the end, the yeah. cherished end. Uh, I love it. Would you be willing to share any of these recipes? Sure. Okay. Um, we're gonna talk offline. If if I can persuade him, we'll put one of these secret cherished recipes in the show notes of this particular podcast. The we'll apple see. crisp is amazing. All right, let's go for the apple crisp. That sounds good because no one doesn't like apple crisp. Like, you cannot like. Uh, something that's some people just don't like chocolate. I mean, God help them. But um, or some people don't like like peanuts. I think apple crisp is pretty right down the middle. Nobody doesn't like. If you don't like, in the words of Ron Burgundy, if you don't like apple crisp, I will fight you. We got time for one more question. What superpower would you like, Ben? 
Well, if I were to like my son, I'd say, well, I'd want the superpower of all the superpowers, right? <laughs> Which is you get you get them all. You get them all. That's um, that's like when you the genie asks you what you wish for, and you say uh, a thousand wishes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what would I personally like? Yeah. Uh, I guess. Um, I think it'd be so, cool to be able to transport yourself anywhere. Any okay, so uh, not time travel. No. But just just like almost like a Captain Kirk beaming up. Kind yeah, of thing to, to, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, think of the time you would save going through TSA at the airport and all that. You don't have to. You just boom. Um, so, where if you had that right now, where would you go? I've always wanted to go to Costa Rica. Okay. Are you? If you pack a bag and you're holding the bag, will it come with you when you transport, or do you have to like send your bags ahead? It's your superpower. You can yeah, make up the no, rules. No, my bags come. <laughs> I don't want to pay twenty five dollars for the. For the luggage feed. I don't know if I'd be able to, to pick. That's a, I've never heard anyone say that one, that the transporting. Like, time travel is a cool one. Um, invisibility would That's, be a cool one. Invisibility is what I've always gone for in the past. This yep. this idea of just transporting just popped in my head. Oh, good. Wow. Now I like it. Yeah. Hey. And, um, and then there's flying, which, like, flying would be fun. But it, I don't know if it would, um, it's not something you can share with people. I mean, it'd be a nice way to, to get home every night. It's like, see you later, I'm going to fly home. <laughs> but then, but you do it alone and it's like, okay. Um, that might get old. I like yours. All right, cool. Well, thank you for playing Burning Questions, Ben. I thought you acquitted yourself quite nicely. We're going to give you um, an A-. minus. It would have been a straight <laughs> A, but we got tied up in that ice cream thing. Yeah. And uh, it happens to the best of us. Um Thank you for joining us, Ben Stitch, Master Mediator. Find him online at benstitch.com. Any questions you have about his business, he'd be delighted to talk to you. He's, he's just an awesome guy. Did you have fun, Ben? Oh, this, this was cool? awesome. Thank you so much. We'll have you back sometime on the Boston Podcast. And if you want past episodes of this pos- podcast, go to pod617.com. Don't forget, if you like this podcast, do me a solid and share it with a friend. Subscribe to us on iTunes and help us spread the gospel. In pod, we trust. Thank you all. Enjoy your day, Boston. I'm not the end, the